Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Mayor of Movie Town podcast. Do, 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 do. I am your host, Mayor Josh, and joining me today is my lovely girlfriend, Megan. And today we will be speaking about the 2015 A24 produced, directed by Robert Eggers, The Witch, starring Anya Taylor Joy in her first ever role, Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger, and Lucas Dawson. So, before we dive too deep into talking about the movie itself, I would like to first discuss some of the criticism that surrounds the movie, specifically the more biblical aspects of it. In most reviews I've seen, Eve is commonly blamed for the fall of mankind, and that's a very common criticism that most people have, and the movie seems to share in that as well. And there's only one problem with that, and it's the Bible itself. You see, the Bible never actually blames Eve for the fall. Jesus in the New Testament refers to himself as the new Adam and says that he has come again to fix Adam's transgressions, never Eve's. It's only popular culture and the wider patriarchal society that seems to condemn Eve. And it's quite antithetical to what the Bible actually says, because again, she is never actually blamed. It's not her fault. There's a video by the YouTuber Jess Flix, who delves much deeper into the whole sins of the father aspect of the movie, recognizing William as the cause for the family's suffering. She is the only one who accurately and biblically lays the blame at his feet. The pride goeth before the fall, as it were. But with that out of the way, I would now like to transition into the main body of this discussion, where I would like to focus on the structure of the movie, particularly the slow burn horror that this movie employs to get its point across and to spread its message. So Megan, there is a debate regarding this film, The Witch, and another movie by A24, Hereditary. The question on people's minds typically are, are these movies even really horror films? And how, how do you think the structure of these movies kind of get that point across? I believe that uh, both The Witch and Hereditary are in fact horror movies, because one, they're both absolutely terrifying. But also in the sense that I find that the usual uh, horror movie tropes of, you know, scary face jumping up boo in the, like, in the screen has become very overused and outdated. Dry. Yes, yeah. absolutely dry. And nowadays, horror directors have to kind of rethink what horror is and what scares people and have to adapt kind of with the times like film and art and media, it's always changing and evolving. And so the concept of what makes a horror movie should be changing as well. That's actually a very good point. And I completely agree, especially the jump scare thing. Everybody is so... that That is the thing that makes people that make people want to watch these movies uh, half the time. Honestly? It's, it's honestly confusing to me because you have these people going to movies and then being upset when they aren't jump scares. And that baffles me. Is that the only, just a rush of 
chemicals in your brain. That's what you classify as horror. But, like, really, I hate jump scares. They're my least favorite part of the horror movie because that's what just startles me. And I find, like, when I'm watching scary movies that I'm kind of bracing myself for the jump scare. Like, I'm able to kind of pick apart when the jump scare is going to exactly. happen. Exactly. So that's why, like, when we went and saw um, the Paranormal Activity Yeah, movie, the marked ones. Yeah, the oh marked ones. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> like, was, I would, that I, was a horror movie by yes. some people's standards. But, like, I didn't actually watch the movie because I knew when the scary, like, ah, was going to happen. It, that movie is just a train wreck and a half. But getting back to The Witch, <laughs> the... the the idea that you can sit in the horror, that you can sit in this sense of dread and terror and that you can't escape it, that is pure horror. horror. Especially for, for me, because I know you prefer Hereditary as a scary movie. Yes, and I because... prefer The Witch. But I want to just preface my choice. Because I started off with Hereditary. That was the first one I saw. That was the first one we saw. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the story about when I showed it to you the first time. Oh. But I just <laughs> want to say that for me, the woods are already scary. I'm already terrified of the idea of being alone in the woods. So that naturally piques my fear easier. And it honestly, the fact that they sit in those woods they constantly cut back to shots of the tree line your the 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 branches feel like they're sticking into you as they as the children walk through the forest that one scene with caleb and um and thomason on the horse and the camera is just voyeuristically looking at them through the through the branches that to me is terrifying the idea that you're alone in the woods but you're not really alone and even worse just the idea that anything can happen to you and no one would ever be able to find you. But go on, tell your hereditary story because okay. it is an amazing story. Well, first, I also want to preface the fact that going um, off of your comment of being terrified of the woods, I didn't find the woods terrifying. See, and that's that's what informs your decision. Yeah, I was a girl guide, so I spent a lot of my formative years camping in the woods. And I spent a lot of my time playing RuneScape. Yeah. <laughs> But no, Hereditary, um, we watched it New Year's Eve and after work and after watching Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And I was also just... Also a good movie. Oh, yeah. But I was just, like, sucked into the movie and the family drama and just the tone. And it did kind of feel like I was waiting for that jump scare. Yes. But the jump scare comes. was never coming. Exactly. But I couldn't look away. And just the sense of emotional dread and hate and just that movie just shook me to my core in a way that no movie or horror movie had ever See, like my family likes to make fun of me for um, Annabelle mm-hmm. and how I was terrified of Annabelle. Yeah. But that was just pure terror. And like it made me terrified of a decapitated head. Like I had seen Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones. I am not afraid of blood or gore or decapitated heads. Oh, spoilers, by the way, for both movies and any movie we discuss. Oh, yeah. Maybe that would have been a good idea beforehand. Oh, well. uh, we should put that in the caption. It was, uh, it was fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they keep going. 
Uh, but yeah, so once it got to the part where she was uh, driving in the car and we hear that click yes. in the uh, car. Yes, I and remember. I know the click was coming. I've heard the click. I've heard you watching a video about the click and whatever. But like I screamed, I turned it off. I wanted to enter 2019 on a happy note. And then I oh, started bawling terrified that he was going to make me see things that I otherwise wouldn't have been terrified of. And I have seen Hereditary multiple times since, since that. that. Yeah, I, I love know. it. I absolutely love it. I kept saying, like, I'm never going to see that movie again, whatever, but Hereditary was, like, my movie of 2019. Oh, easily. <laughs> when, because there was also the other film by Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary, Midsommar, and that movie... Uh, I have a very complicated relationship with that movie. It's incredibly avant-garde, and I appreciate it for that. It's an interesting... The way he describes it is a fairy tale breakup, but closer to like a Brothers Grimm kind of fairy tale, like a dark fairy tale. But the my problem with that movie, if you go back and watch the trailers, and I urge everyone to do this, watch those trailers again, that was a completely different movie that oh, we were yeah, sold. Oh, yeah, for sure. That it's hard not to feel misled by by Midsommar. I went in expecting a horror movie based on Hereditary and based, more importantly, based on the trailer. If it wasn't a horror movie and the trailers depicted that accurately, I would be fine. He's allowed to do other genres. No one director should be locked into any genre if they don't want to be. Even if they're good at it, it doesn't matter. He can genre hop as much as he likes but don't lie to your audience i don't know i love Midsommar. yeah i know you love it you love it more than hereditary i think right you said that that was i i don't know i'm iffy on that see i i very i very oh no i remember. I've said it yeah i've said it but okay. that's, i don't know if that okay. opinion still holds true okay. currently okay because for me, it was definitely Hereditary was number one for both of us. We saw Midsommar. You jumped ship and a little bit to Midsommar's side. I couldn't quite join you. But then we were told by a mutual friend, watch The Witch, or The Vavitch, as we, as we <laughs> like to playfully call it. Because you know, of the double V in the title. Because they made the two Vs look like a big W. Which was apparently a New England thing. The W, as we know it, did not exist. They actually did use two Vs. I don't know the historicity of that. Me That's either. what I've heard. That's what I've seen in my research. But which, one pardon. awesome thing, though, about The Witch is that mm. it actually does really use yes. New England language yes, yes. completely. Like, you are fully immersed in the New England folktale, as they call it. Oh, yes. And that, that that seems to be another point of contention for a number of the critics who dislike this movie because they stuck to period-accurate diction. Because how and, dare they do that? It's right? a period piece. How dare a period piece actually be accurate? I guess these people must hate um, Little Women or Pride and Prejudice or any number of other... Set, uh, period but I piece don't know movies. if the period piece. I don't know if the language in Pride and Prejudice and Little Women is period accurate. Well, at the very Ancient, least, the version, the yeah, ver, the version of Little Women that we saw, I would say it was mostly, if not entirely, accurate. The the mannerisms, at least, were, if not oh, the, the diction, but the diction of the of of the Vavitch 
is entirely accurate to the point that we needed subtitles sometimes to fully grasp what the characters were saying and i'm okay with that i'm okay with meeting a movie halfway with working with the movie on its grounds to get its message across mm-hmm. i want to give every movie the best chance to to do to do it to do what it wants to, to, to execute on its vision as an amateur writer and filmmaker myself that is something i would hope that people would do for me so it's only fair that i should do it for others is there anything else you want to say before we move on um watch every movie that we've brought up so far oh definitely please We're, do that. That, that that is one thing that i want to achieve with this podcast for sure is not limit the conversation if you notice i was jumping around to different critical responses and different points of views and debunking at the top the whole biblical aspect of the of the reading of the movie because i think it's important that we remember that movies exist within the context of a culture as they say we live in a society so you know it's, it's important to remember the, the the social aspect of these movies and to judge them accordingly and now with all of that preamble out of the way we can discuss our review of the movie okay. which i think we already kind of gave the, we kind of buried the lead i think a little bit yeah. by admitting that we already like the movie we love this movie we, yes we love this movie it's our favorite a20 well my favorite a24 movie it's not my favorite a24 but i still love it we all know what mine is yes <laughs> and so we're going to start off by gi- by just giving a rundown of the movie we will stop at various points of interest and discuss and go back and forth and give our opinions as you know our reviewers want to do. It'll be fun. Yes. So the movie starts with the family in some kind of town meeting discussing the father's apparent sins in the church. He's been spreading some... It's almost like a trial. Of it is, no, it is a trial. The family is on... Well, the father, specifically the mm-hmm. father is on trial, not the family. They're only because on the, trial by association. Yeah, the father is the head of the family, so technically the whole family is on trial, but... Yeah, it, but he is on trial for spreading some kind of dogma that the town disagrees with, and he just denouncing Puritan beliefs in general. We don't actually... That's the thing, though. We don't know what he was so up in arms over. Just that he was up in arms over it. Yeah, he was up, just up in arms. I think they actually do mention um, that There's the some Puritan dogma. way... Yeah. That the Puritan he, way is not the true way of Christ and that they're all, like, false Christians. Yeah, he, yeah, he's accusing them of being false Christians, but that can mean any number of things. Yeah, we don't know specifics. We just know that he's kind of eh about the whole church. Yes, and while that kind of outsider mentality can sometimes be good when you're living in what 17th century new england fresh off the boat and you don't know this land you don't maybe don't try to be a maverick like that when your whole family is on the line but william father extraordinaire that he is decides (laughs) you know we'll we'll rough it and takes everybody out to the woods because actual, that's such a good idea. 
one thing that they do in there that I like is that they prove kind of that they're in New England, not from just the Puritan outfits, mm-hmm. but the fact that there are um, the indigenous Americans yes, for yeah, a couple, second. Yeah, the one second where we see the indigenous people. Actually, fun fact, this movie was filmed in Ontario, Canada. Yay! Where we are from. Yes. And that's as much as you'll ever know. <laughs> but the, uh, the movie starts with this kind of the whole point is that they are kicked out of their 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 settlement mm-hmm. they're on their own they're isolated they're vulnerable i love the um going back to what you were saying about the scariness of the forest mm-hmm. one of the one four shots that actually did scare me was when they were um in the dark at in night in the dark at night yes and that kind oh, of gave me that gave yes. me hereditary vibes too because oh, it looks so like much. you're in um like a like in hered- i'm going to compare this to hereditary a lot even though they're not even the same director they're, they're not the same director the same... but they're the same structure which is what we were kind of getting at earlier a little bit in this case same kind of slow burn descent into the madness family falls apart yes, yada yada yes. yada spoilers well well, we, we gave a spoiler warning eventually, so... <laughs> no, but, um, just, it, they look kind of like little doll pieces, and it doesn't even look like they're moving. And then you get, like, the big, kind of, uh... Um, the, the musical... Oh, God, I love... The, 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 that musical cue where the strings just... Mm, and they crescendo, they crescendo, and you're waiting for something to happen, and then and it just then, cuts. Hard cut. Boom, the daytime. And then we have the really cool scene where, um, kind of creepy in mm-hmm. a way too, with uh, Kate Dickey and looking yes, at her. Yes, And yeah. like, one thing though. Yeah, that, that, like, that, that side eye where they, they slowly turn oh, and God. look at each other and they smile as they're on their knees giving thanks to the woods. This one little it's, plot of bare land with no trees. And I, then think, they, I think they actually the implication being that they cut it down and carved that space for themselves. I think because you can see their house and they have a, a, a chicken coop and they're, they're, they're wooden things. They've built something from the, from the surrounding land already. Actually, but we don't see any tree trunks. That's a good point. It might be. A, I don't know. We don't yeah. see any tree trunks. They yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's probably a clearing. Else. Yeah, it's probably just for a clearing that they found. But still, the idea that they're just they surrounded themselves and just isolated themselves. I mean, people go missing in the woods to this day. We have um, David Polides and his missing four one one series, where he actually goes to areas where people have gone missing in the woods and that, that I follow a lot of you, you can find, you can kind of go down the rabbit hole there of what is causing people to go missing in those woods and there are a lot of theories because the American um I think the I don't remember what they're called the American Ranger Association or something to that effect the American Rangers park rangers that there are supposed to be overlooking these these national parks and national forests, etc. They don't keep tallies of people who go missing in the woods. So we don't actually have a number other than what this one guy who's dedicated his entire life to finding. And stuff like that influences my fear of the woods and influences my opinion of this movie. Because there's so many theories that I'm not even going to begin to get into now (laughs) because that would be an entirely different podcast. Sasquatches! Mm. Anyways, so 
Back to the witch. So we get this really cool shot um, where they zoom into the woods and then you hear like the shrieking of the women, which kind of foreshadows the whole witchy and evil women type oh, of thing. I don't even, I don't even remember yeah. that happening. Um, that was the big kind of musical crescendo and that was one of the first times that we see the woods coming forward to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the shots of the, the woods is... And it's always the <sighs> same... At the beginning, it's always the same ones where... Um, um, it's behind the uh, cabin. Mm-hmm. Yes, because they're, they're they're framing the the cabin as just being so small and set against the woods mm-hmm. where it's every it's looming over you, it's and above you, it's around it's you, it's everywhere. Them. The fact that it even is behind them, like I guess that kind of would also and close them and not trap even them. no not even entrapment, but going deep and analytical and reading between <laughs> the lines. Um, it's behind them. They don't even think about it. Oh, that's a good point too. Hey, that the 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 use of the camera to create this perspective of being trapped is so important to the atmosphere of this movie. And they take every single opportunity like every to give shot, us shots of the woods. Yeah, kind of, um, you just see, like, the, sh- the trees and the twigs and whatever in front kind of zooming in mm-hmm. to you while there's stuff going on in the back, whether or not it's, you know, the witch taking the little baby or... Oh, that, that we're going to get to in, in, a, in a little bit. Yeah. I just want to kind of continually hammer home how scary the woods are <laughs> because they are terrifying and if you keep paying it any outdoor scene that this movie has and there are many because that's the movie yeah it's, it's outdoors and no matter where they are the wood the tree line is always in the background and that it just it's you never get a reprieve unless you're inside and pretty soon even that isn't mm-hmm. a safe haven anymore and that's important as well mm-hmm. but continuing on Thomason is given baby Samuel to take care of. And like all teenage girls with their baby brothers, she peek-a-boo. plays peekaboo. Well, yeah, that's what you in do front with of, a baby. Yeah, Babies nothing... don't even have object permanence at that point. I know, I know, but I know. I just, I just find right it funny. right before that, mm-hmm. right before she's the first boo, that's kind of the only real half jump scary thing because you get that big shot of the looming woods going Again. right at you mm-hmm. and then boo! Peekaboo! And of course, on the third open... If you saw the trailer for this movie. You would know that Samuel is gone. And this is probably... I think this is a stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. That the movie immediately, immediately sets up this witch as being 100% real, 100% supernatural, and 100% dangerous. Yes. In the blink, the literal blink of an eye that she takes to cover her face and then say boo to Samuel, he is gone. gone. And you see the image of the lady running through the woods. It's, In it's a, a red cloak, it's, so it's, you can it's, see her. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there's distance, so you can't quite tell. But you know it's a person, and you can hear the baby, and you know this witch mm-hmm. is for real. And then it comes to my favorite little musical motif of this entire mm. movie, where they kind of just go into detail of the ritual that she does. And oh, there's, that ritual is something Oh, else. yeah, it's um, keeping this, like, kind of light and PG-related. Oh, no, we're... we're oh, we, we can, are! We can go in detail. Okay, she mashes the child up. Yes, she grinds the baby up, because but, according to which... Wait, let me just say this real okay. quick. Just to be, you know, historical, etc., etc. Okay. 
Okay. According to quote unquote real witch lore, witches would need the blood of unbaptized babies as part of their uh, witchcraft to achieve flight. That is a quote-unquote real thing that real witches need to do in order to fly. So, yes, continue. So, um, my favorite bit about this is that kind of while she's taking her big stick and going, like, mashing the baby, like, we hear that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do kind of just drumming beat throughout the entire scene. And that, like, drumming do-do-do-do-do-do-do thing comes up throughout the movie during Mm -hmm. the most, like, insane witchy moments. Yes, anytime the witches are present, there's always this this repeating, not just the do-do-do, but there's also the the, the sound of running, almost, when when they were in the barn towards the end. Mm -hmm. And you hear this, I I don't know how else to describe it, but someone running through a field, and it gets louder and louder and louder and louder and louder, and you're like, oh, the witch is coming the witch, you can hear her coming mm-hmm. from a mile away that's that was your initial reaction and i couldn't help but agree but think oh yeah the witch is definitely coming the witch did not appear in that moment not immediately but the idea that it was she was there uh-huh. the music really sells that and that, even that just fear. the the fact of we had before even doing this podcast like a weeks long debate over mm-hmm. what was actually going on in the flight thing before we just now kind of determined that yes she was really flying yeah that's one of the other things that people talk about when they discuss this movie there's this far narrative of was the witch real was it really there no they purposely start the movie show you the witch stealing the baby show you the witch grinding up the baby Mm -hmm. show you the witch bathing or lathering herself in the baby's blood and flying yeah Yeah. they they that's that's for a narrative purpose it creates a permanent sense of danger that this family is in danger and the horror is real because if it's just purely psychological and there is no witch the movie loses a lot of its power mm-hmm. and then you have just people pretending oh well the witch may have been real but what if it was just the corn because we see uh mushrooms growing on the corn and those mushrooms are if you for whatever reason know um I, I don't know agriculture that well you would know that those mushrooms are psychedelic in nature they cause hallucinations so the idea is that oh the family is hallucinating it's mass hysteria and they turn against each other and kill each other there is no witch for movie solved that's not how film works when you're in the world of the movie what the movie tells you to be true is true if the movie is trying to give you an ambiguous is it real vibe it will do that it won't show you in the opening minutes the establishing moments of the movie that there is a witch the baby real baby was really taken the family the the real family is really worried about their really missing, Child. really stolen baby. <laughs> they don't do that if they're trying to set up a real witch. Mm-hmm. So, for the purposes of the movie, whether it's real in our reality or not is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. In the world established by this movie, the witch is real. real. The witches, the coven is real. Mm-hmm. 
that and that I again it's so important that it is because the movie it becomes something completely different without it without the, that scene I don't think I think the people who don't classify this movie as horror would have a much stronger case oh, yeah. without that scene because that's one of the only scenes that really freaked me out because we're and just looking at we actually it, see like, the witch yeah. it's one of the few where we actually see the witch so it, it paints the entire no, rest of the like, movie it colors think, our perception I just think that and once again this is coming back from like my childhood of Snow mm. White and the Seven Dwarfs but mm. I just find like creepy old ladies to be very creepy yes that's, creepy that's old ladies only, are creepy that's the only, that, that like, also <laughs> helps too that, no it's true though it helps it does help it, 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 it's the, the movie needed the witches to be real to sell you on the horror and the idea that yes the corn is hallucinogenic that can play a factor but it isn't the sole cause of the movie they all didn't hallucinate Caleb spitting up an apple he really did that there was a physical apple in the room he actually spit it up and then died yes like everyone saw boy this plot things going so well okay alright fine good (laughs) point back on track back on track so Thomason has lost the baby and this begins what I consider to be the B plot of the movie which is Kate Dickey just gets screwed over by everyone and blames Thomason for it. Poor Kate Dickey. She well, always gets in roles like that. Yes. Yeah, she was uh, Lysa Aaron in Game of Thrones. Yes, Same for, plot, essentially, yeah, for just her. Psycho mother at dealing with the loss of her children. Dealing with the loss of her children and, and blaming her sanity. it. Yes, and blaming it on a... Um, on everyone but the right person. And even just young family member in general. And it's a female. Yeah, of course. If it's not Sophie Turner on your Taylor Joy. Hitting <laughs> oh. women against women since however long. Oh, Game of Thrones and the witch. Oh, women versus women. That's the real message here. <laughs> but the... Then you have... What happens this? You have the... So pretty much, uh, Caleb wakes up um, hearing his mother, like, wailing, missing yes, her child, yes. and kind of... Um, goes out with his father to try and hunt because they're understanding the fact that... Um, you know, the crops are dying. We're yeah, not very good at is, this. Yeah. William is... Oh sucks. Boy. William He's... sucks. Um, going back to that review of Sins of the Father thing. Um, she pretty much just says that William sucks as a human being and the head of the well, family in Landover. I don't know. I don't know as a human... You know, I don't think he sucks as a human being. A stereotypical... He... Man. Yes, yes. As the stereotypical who's man who's supposed to be good at everything and the best and the provider and all these things, he fails miserably at hunting. But he can he, cut some wood. Oh boy, can he cut wood. But oh yeah. He can't hunt. He can't farm. Surprisingly, he's a decent carpenter since all their um, yeah, they homes have to build are stable. That. Yeah. yeah, their homes are stable, so I guess he's a good carpenter. <laughs> but he, he can he can manipulate wood, but he can't manipulate a gun. Mm-hmm. Nor can he manipulate livestock or yes. crops. And then Caleb and William have a conversation about um, Samuel's immortal soul. That they, was so yeah. fascinating. Because, well, Caleb um, is the eldest son. Mm-hmm. Which kind of in that uh, time period would make him more of like the elder child than Thomason was. Yes, Thomason, Thomason is the elder child. Exactly. So he's born first, but because sons have priority, Caleb is technically the eldest now. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, they just discuss whether or not, and Caleb shows his doubt as well in the faith, and kind of wondering, like, oh, if I were to die right now, like, would I be damned eternally? I don't know if he's showing doubt in the faith so much as, because, again, sourcing, yeah, yeah, confusion, and rightly so, Mm because it is an interesting and potentially harrowing question, depending on the answer, and I think that Jessflix, again, she got it so right. Watch this review. Really watch this review. Listening to this podcast. Yes, really watch this review because she gets it so right every single time. She says that she William reneges on this initial fervor and zealotry that he had when he's facing the council. Now when he's alone in, in private with his own son, he can't display that same kind of fire and passion. And can't even give him a straight answer. Yeah, when he, he's able to criticize the church 100% all the way, you guys are wrong, mm-hmm. I know what's best, but and now one hard up, question later... Straight up tells his son, I, I have don't know. no idea. Yeah, so again, it just underscores the fact that this is his fault. Oh yeah. This is completely and entirely his pride destroying everyone. Mm-hmm. His pride kills Samuel. Yes. His pride kills Everybody. Caleb. The only person his pride does not kill, I would say, is Kate Dickey's character. Oh yeah, no, she, she's got her own problems. Oh boy. Make, uh, let's just keep going and um, we'll, we'll get there when we get there so uh, yeah they go have some unfortunate um, father son bonding time mm-hmm. uh, tries and shoots a really creepy um, what's it called again the, the, that rabbit that rabbit is actually familiar a familiar the rabbit's the familiar oh see that that interests me because spoiler alerts well like, for the millionth is... <laughs> time spoiler alert I guess but we have Black Philip, oh, which is the anagram right away we get Black Philip. Um, after this scene. Yes. And we have Black Philip, you know, an anagram for Baphomet, which that alone is genius. Whoever came up with that deserves all the praise in the world. Yes. And then you have the twins, Jonas and Massey, mm. uh, going on. Two creepy twins, of course. Creepy twins. Mm-hmm. Um, Shining singing, reference. Yeah. Singing the song about... Black Philip. Pretty much praising Black Philip. Yeah. It, but before before we get too far ahead, I just want to connect Black Philip to the rabbit. Because we actually see the rabbit in the pen with Black Philip at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I just... I have to wonder about the symbology of that rabbit because again there's one critic was one critique that I do like that people have made the connection between the idea of the rabbit and Anya Taylor-Joy's Thomason's fertility and mm. rabbits being symbols of fertility and that the rabbit was her calling card was her familiar specifically uh. And that the witches were using that rabbit to signal to her, potentially also her mother, who's also fertile. She just had a baby, so she's also fertile. It's kind of funny, though, when you think about it like that. Because mm-hmm. each, with the exception of Caleb um, mm-hmm. and William, but like each member of the family kind of was affected by either a familiar or the witch herself. Yeah, yeah. And the, and by my extension, of course, the devil, Black Philip, Baphomet. Oh, yes. That, oh my god, but... We'll get there when we get there. 
And I love how, like, mm-hmm. with the twins. Yes, now we can Now we talk can go with the, the twins. twins. Awesome. Those twins are creepy, and I love I how... I so much, but I, know, I love I hate to them hate too. them. Um, I love how um, even their eyes, their eyes look really? so black and beady. Really? I oh. never really paid attention to their eyes specifically. Like, they're... I don't know if it's just, like, the kid's eye shape or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, um, when Thomason and Caleb were by the lake, or river, or whatever, yes. and then Mercy comes... That, that, with her. That's another story I'm, to talk about. Yeah, I'm the witch of the woods. Like just looking at her, like her eyes look so bleak. You and think creepy. potentially the sign of possible possession. Oh, of course, because she says, mm-hmm. um, Black Phillip says I can do whatever I want. Yeah, that, oh, that, and you hearing don't that from it. the mouth of a child, you, exactly. The parents, a lot of people quest, go around, oh, why didn't the parents realize that their children were in league with the devil? And like, but it, on your initial viewing, you kind of just dismiss, dismiss them because they're children. Mm-hmm. You don't really think about what they're saying. It's like, oh, they're singing a song praising Satan. Oh, she says that Satan can says that we can do whatever we want. Exactly. You, like, but because it's under this Black Philip, and of course, you know, he's a goat, and we don't really give goats that kind of symbology anymore. A lot of people miss that. I miss that. I'm a hardcore Christian. I miss that entirely. So I can only imagine people of, of lesser or no faith saying, oh, Black Philip, whatever, who cares? It's, it's just a, a goat. goat. Yeah. goat. Yeah. Look at him, like, flip up and stuff standing on his hind legs oh my god but yeah that one line if you catch it in just the right way black philip says i can do whatever i want that is so terrifying to think about just a child just being pulled in right under her parents' nose and no one notices or cares. It's honestly terrifying to me as well. Just because I have Mercy younger is, siblings. Because Mercy is prepubescent. Yeah, and and her fate at the end is left a little ambiguous. I have my own idea of what happened to her. But the... the oh, oh, man. Yeah. It's so sad. But then there's also simultaneously... And this is one thing that I love about this movie is very layered it's doing multiple things at once again like we talked about earlier with the witch appearing so early in the movie and coloring all the events that happened later on you have this one scene of Caleb looking at his sister and ogling her looking at her breasts because he's going through puberty just as much as Thomason is and there again the isolation and how that just absolutely destroys them he's looking at his sister in lust because he doesn't know anything else there are no other girls to talk to mm-hmm. he can't talk to his sister and say hey I nice like you moves. yeah that's not that's something creepy. that would be okay back then or now because incest is something that is discussed <laughs> and not promoted positively in the Bible so you, you, you have so many things going on and there, there's one other theory that I've heard where each family member is related to one of the seven deadly sins and of course Caleb is the easiest one to match because he would be lust. Same with William. Yeah, William being pride and Caleb being lust. That doesn't necessarily interest me as much. Like, yeah, sure, Seven Deadly Sins. People have been matching that with SpongeBob forever. That's that's really neither here nor there, I think. They made a whole murder movie out of it. Yeah, like, the characters, I, I think, are more nuanced and more... They're deeper than just, oh, Seven Deadly Sins, and leave it at that. I think they're worth discussing as individuals. Mm-hmm. 
And we're going to keep doing that. But where were we with the actual plot synopsis now? Oh, one thing we forgot to mention is the mm -hmm. fact that uh, William um, straight up tells Caleb, like, oh, by the way, I bought these traps by stealing your mom's number one prized possession, but don't go telling her that. Oh, yes, yes. And that we can skip forward a little bit here because... It ties into what we're going on to next. Yes. So, dinner. The awkward dinner scene where... Kate Dickey is now blaming poor Thomason for losing her cup when really she's just projecting that anger from her loss of Samuel onto the cup. And it is so And her, hard. because she was the last person to see Samuel alive. It's, it's not unfair to say, hey, I blame you as as a mother. It's a newborn postpartum depression. That 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 is understandable. But I think the she overreaches a bit because... Yeah. It's... Thomason is probably missing her brother already. Like that was her brother too. So so to to blame her in such a vindictive way, I feel overreaches what what I think is fair. But then oh William, he just lets her have it, and he cowers and he lets her be blamed. Oh, he does say you know she he does try to stand up for Thomason. Like oh she didn't do it. She didn't do it. No she did. Yeah no yeah she didn't do it. But I. I won't say it was me. I won't take responsibility. Certainly not. That again, underscoring so perfectly mm-hmm. that this is all his fault. He's oh, yes. lying. He is fearful. He's cowardly. He's a, not quite. Hip- I, I think not. I don't think he quite reaches hypocritical no. in that scene with Caleb where he is backing off from his previously established zealotry. I don't think he quite rises to the level of hypocrite. No. But there are hints of it, and that alone. The fact that it can be argued that he's a hypocrite is bad enough. And now he's lying to his wife and allowing his child to take the blame for him. And, of course, Thomason, the ever-long-suffering Thomason... Trying to please her mother. Oh, I'll go bed the goats and I'll make it up to you, mom. I'll do anything you want. Please love me. Please love me. But meanwhile, her parents were like, oh, by the way, we're going to starve to death in the winter. Maybe we should get rid of Thomason. Yeah, let's sell, let's go out to town and sell her off like a broodmare because we need food for ourselves and our other children because, you know. That we love more. That, (laughs) oh man, Thomason. Thomason was just never going to have a good day with, with this movie. No. And rightfully so, I think, at the end where she... We'll get there, we'll get yeah, there. Because we'll I, I, have, I have conflicting thoughts on, on the ending. But let's just say for now that Thomason goes to do her mother favors and try to get back in her good graces. And who else should show up but Caleb? And the conveniences no, pile we're... on. No, this is where Caleb shows back up. No, we haven't even gotten to the part where he disappeared. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so... We are getting way ahead. We're professionals. We're very professional because <laughs> we are not going to go back to the scene where Caleb... Because in the previous night, William and Kate Nikki... I don't know why I can't call her. Her character is just Kate Nikki. But I think she's Catherine. Her name, is, her Ka- name is Catherine. I just keep calling her Kate Nikki. And I'm going to... she's Kate Dickey. So, the yeah, next morning following... Professional actress Kate Nikki... <laughs> <laughs> she and William, the character, because it's not Ralph Innocent, 
she and and her husband are having a conversation about selling their daughter off as we were previously saying and caleb takes it upon himself the long-suffering pure caleb takes it upon himself you know next what next morning of course the next morning i am going to go hunting and i'm, I'm go going check to the traps. yeah i'm going to check the traps and i'm going to be the man i'm going to save my sister yes. because i love her and so, not just in a creepy incest way but genuinely because she's my family and i love her yeah so pretty much they um thomason ends up seeing caleb sneaking out and is like oh you know take me with you let's go and then they go, they ride, they take their little hunting dog. And, and take the horse, the one horse that they have. Oh, yes, boy. Yes, and um, go into the woods to check the trap. They find some nice rabbits there mm-hmm. and collect them. And then suddenly Caleb sees that rabbit. From the other day, the familiar rabbits, yes. And tries to shoot at the rabbit but misses or whatever or the something something gets spooked the horse gets spooked yes by the rabbit because the horse because this is a common trope in supernatural things that animals can sense these things better than humans can so of course the horse can sense the no it demonic was the dog, the dog yeah the dog no the dog is chasing the the rabbit but the horse also reacts to to the rabbit by it's scared it's terrified of this rabbit so rearing horse... up and kicking thomason off but Continue, yes. Yeah, knocks her off or whatever, and Caleb goes and tries to find the dog. Um, he ends up finding the dog um, completely disemboweled, so like that probably means... Immediately, like so quickly. Yeah, so I guess the rabbit must have went all like Monty Python, Python rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, a- that did come into my mind. Uh, that, yeah. that rabbit is something else. Or maybe it was the witch, maybe the rabbit... No, I think it was the rabbit. Really? I, I'm going to say it's the witch because of what happens later in the movie. No, but the, um, uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. Um, so Caleb ends up going down the path of the forest and we get some more creepy, like, tree shots. And then he finds a little cabin in the woods. And because then, that's always a good thing. Oh, of course. And so who walks out of this cabin but a nice, beautiful, voluptuous woman. Everything the that Caleb... of lust. Yes, everything that Caleb ever wanted. And so the they approach each other, she kisses him, and then the big, creepy, old woman hand comes out. And so, this is our first hint that there are multiple witches. Because while the one younger witch... I don't think is, there was a multiple witch, though, because she's still wearing the same red cloak that the original witch was wearing. No, no, when I, when I say multiple... I mean that you have the one which that's kissing and caressing um, Caleb and then no, another hand same, reaches it out. it was the same hand. It you was think her so? hand. Oh, I, yeah. I think there was a, I, I think it was a third hand. No, it I'd was the second re-watch. hand. If, if, if we do another rewatch, we'll hash that out in private and we'll get back to... And I was right. We'll, so. we'll see. But yes, continuing on. So now we get back to Caleb's return. And yeah. She, um, Thomason, um, agrees to go out and bed the goats to get her mother's favor again, and, yeah, so she goes out and finds Caleb. And Caleb... Stark naked. And Caleb is messed up. This guy has cuts everywhere. He has bumps and sores. Yeah, one nice big sore on his mouth. And... And he's stark naked. That is so... 
th- there's so many implications there about what happened and the nature of these witches and the 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 idea that they're potentially diseased and and oh my god this poor boy and he and delivers so what I think is the oh, yeah, best no. piece of acting this in child the movie. is incredible I remember um, I read an article uh, from Anatomy of a Scene mm-hmm. and they discussed um, the performance of the actor who played Caleb Harvey Scrimshaw yes. yes yes okay and pretty much what they were saying was how this entire scene was the most important scene of the entire movie yes. because this is where the bulk of the witchy stuff happens mm-hmm. and if people no but like if this is the possession scene so yeah, if they don't yeah this is the turning point I would say more accurately I would say I think that's probably what they said too and like if people didn't buy this scene they weren't going to buy the entire movie yes so it's all uh, laid on this one kid and he did an amazing job and there were um, like his parents used some like hockey analogies for getting some certain <laughs> reactions out of him or like winning a game because this is a child like we don't need to tell him the exact feeling and mood that he was going for which is actually interesting because up until that point in the movie I thought he was struggling with his lines and I thought he was struggling with the with the with the with the language I thought he was actually the weakest part of the movie until that scene so that scene single-handedly that scene, turned my entire opinion of him around so in that scene yes um he is they're trying the whole family is praying the twins are claiming that um thomason is a witch because in the in an earlier scene, Thomason kind of scared Mercy, yeah, claiming that. Yeah, seen earlier the by whole, the river. Like, yeah, the whole like thing with Thomason is: is she or is she not actually a witch? She isn't. But you yeah. know, common tra- or troubles of a woman of that time period. Yes. Are you a witch or aren't you a witch? Is she a good witch or a bad witch? Oh no! If you're a witch, you are a bad witch. We by found the a fault. witch. May we burn her? Yes, and that is the only question that you will ever hear asked during that time period but moving on she she tries to pass the buck back over to, to to mercy and jonas and they do this thing where they're collapsing they can't pray they, just, they fake being possessed that's it the, i don't understand no because what possessed them to nothing. fake being possessed <laughs> i think it's just like a reaction to fear and trauma because you know they are little kids and they're witnessing their older brother cough up a bloody apple and um cite some kind of yeah, poem old, yeah old prayer did this i just i don't understand that moment where the two of them are they're keeling over and they're writhing they're on the ground it. yeah the, the idea i i agree that they are supposed to be faking but the the degree to which they are committed to this faking it almost comes across as it's supposed to be real or at the very least ambiguous yeah I, I I'm honestly not sure if I think ambiguous is a good word but really I think they were just so traumatized but that's that's another thing if they're traumatized by what they're seeing why would joining Everybody... why would joining him be their conclusion that they should they oh they should also act possessed because they're traumatized by their brother 
being actually or they're bewitched. just trauma uh, trying to convince their family that Thomason's really to blame maybe Black Phillip saying Thomason is to blame a whole bunch of factors could be yeah, there yeah because we know that well later on we know that there is a demon there a real demon there and it is talking to them and telling them these things so like you have all of these I think it's just all, all these convergence question. points that of this should be real what's happening to them but it behind the scenes it is said to be fake that they're faking it that's supposed to be what is being communicated but everything around them is so is already accepted as reality that them being fake in this moment it doesn't it doesn't read it doesn't read properly i don't think that's one criticism i have of the movie it, it's not big enough to affect anything else because if if it's real and they are actually like unable to pray and they really genuinely are writhing on the ground and they're being affected alongside Caleb they're being affected journey alongside him then that's that's also terrifying they're but not. if they're faking they are faking it, but how, right, what proof. what leads what leads you to that conclusion how do you know what how do what I know the that scene, they were faking it what in the scene says to you oh they're why are they acting like this they're just acting because we know that Thomason isn't a witch but the kids believe that they do see that's a that's a good point it's just obscured by the fact that there already is a witch they are in communion with the devil but i the, think that's why that's why it's ambiguous is, to me it's not ambiguous because caleb's bewitchment is exclusively to caleb and mm-hmm. only him yeah. only him it's not the family it's not we know that caleb was bewitched by the actual witch yes we saw that yes and he was the only person affected by that witch at the time the twins are blaming Thomason. Mm, okay. Like I said, to me, it doesn't read so cleanly because of all the contradictory stuff happening around them at that moment. To the point where you don't... The, the rules aren't clear. If can Black Phillip affect them from that far? We don't know. We don't the, even know that Black Phillip is really affecting them from that far on the first viewing. Yeah, exactly. So that that's also what kind of leads me to the ambiguous line where you, you I'm not entirely convinced that I'm not convinced that it's real that they that they are possessed but the, the movie is presenting so many things as real up until that point that them being fake is not your it's not my immediate go-to yes if you think about it after a while you can say oh yeah they're faking it because they're blaming Thomason and Thomason isn't a witch as we've already clearly established she's not a witch but they're blaming her for bewitching them so they're that can that that does read well but there are other contradicting pieces of the film but moving on from that though i i think you're right in the end but moving on from Yay. that though i don't know i got it right from the beginning so i don't know to me the filmmaking of it is not clear so the big um you know caleb ends up dying after making this grand speech um praising oh, it's a beautiful god speech and um, the kind ecstasy of- and yeah. Sexual it kind of desire. looks like um, an orgasm for Jesus, the, in a way. Oh as horrifying as that may sound to some people, that is essentially at its core what it is. Yeah, and it is. So that's why, you know. Something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Caleb dies. And yeah. so. And this Kate is Dickey, the turning point of the movie. Oh, yeah, now. everything goes nuts. Everything falls apart from here. So Kate Dickey Caleb is like. Caleb um, is the Charlie. 
of this movie. Oh, yeah, from Hereditary, yeah. Um, so Kate Dickey is, like, completely distraught. Um, William is now turning on Thomason. Like, after Kate Dickey, like, throws her. her out. And then oh, uh, yeah. William just goes and straight up asks her, you know, are you a witch? You know, we're going to have to tell people that this happened. You know what's going to happen to you. Um, are you a witch or not? I just need to know. And, and this says, girl spe- or talk truth to me. Yes, that, that's it. Girl that's the line. It into him. I loved it. Yes, speak truth to me. And boy, does she speak truth to him. She makes the case against him as the movie has been doing this whole time and now it's being verbalized by the character itself. And it's it that is truth? perfect. And of course, being a fragile male ego in he the seventeen hundreds, he can't handle the truth. So he locks her up with the twins. Well, first they go back in because she's the one that's saying, like, oh, the twins are faking it. Yes. And like, um Oh yes, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah the twins it. are faking it. Yes. So that's that's when we get the confirmation that they are faking it because yes, they're still yeah, like lying down yes, yes, they're yes. lying down kind of um lifeless and limping. lifeless and then he just pretty much just grabs his youngest son and says like that he's gonna probably what kill him I don't I don't I, I, uh, there's a lot of Ralph Innocent has a voice that it's a very growly commanding booming and growly yeah, some, 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 some of his lines are <laughs> lost in translation, to put it mildly. But yes, he that that's a man that could play Mufasa. It, really? If, if James Earl Jones were to... When? If James Earl Jones <laughs> were to no longer be with us... When? That, if James Earl Jones were no longer, was to no longer be with us, that man could play Mufasa. But James Earl Jones will live forever. Okay. So that's... We don't need to worry Whatever about Whatever makes you feel better. So, uh, growls at his son. His son wakes up and screams, like opens his eyes, and then he yeah, realizes now he's that genuinely his children... Scared. He's, he's, he's screwed up. And his dad is not playing around anymore. So he um, locks Thomason and the twins with the goats of all things. Yeah. Because do we know why they locked them in there with the goats? Like they locked them in yeah. and like nailed the thing shut. With them inside. I don't know. Maybe so the goats can die since the goats are kind of Satanists too. Yeah, but Thomason do, do, do says, they assume, no, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Says, so they're like, talking to Black Phillip. She tells him that they've been talking to Black Phillip. So they lock them in there with the goats. And oh boy. This is when everything comes full circle. Yes. The chickens come home to roost. Night descends on their little homestead. Kate Dickey, the venerable actress Kate Dickey, is inside the home by herself. Ralph Innocent is outside chopping wood. For the last time. Oh man. And she has a vision. Oh boy. She has a vision of... Um, of her cup. She has a vision of Caleb and Oh Samuel. yeah, they find out that, you know, she finds out and loses it on her husband. Oh yes, yes. That he does confess about the cup. He confesses about the cup and so she loses it on him and now she's completely losing her faith because of witnessing um, Caleb possessed and dying. That, that would destroy yeah. anyone. And then, um, so that night, uh, she sees a vision of Caleb with Samuel. And he asks her if she sees a book. We don't quite know what this means in the moment. But he asks if she sees a book, and all she cares about is her children. And nursing her son. Yes. So she brings the son up to her breast, and while this is going on, we see in the goat house just a bit of thumpling down. Yeah, Um, we hear something fall onto the roof 
of the goat pen, and then suddenly inside, drinking from the bl- drinking the and, bloody like, falls teat. Down. Yeah, she, yeah, she falls onto the roof and somehow makes comes her way inside. inside. And we just see the um, Jonas and Mercy's face while this is going on. Yeah, they're they're scared of their minds. They were they did not sign up for this. Their goat was just talking to them. They didn't think like they're the, kids. Yeah, they didn't think oh an actual monster was going to descend upon them. Yeah, and drink the bloody milk of their goat and then turn around and scream at them. Oh, I... Yeah. As much as I hate that those kids, one, I feel terrible for yeah, them. Yeah, that, that is that the one scene that I do not watch in this movie. Also, stemming from the fact that I was terrified of the witch from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as a child. So that's why I don't <laughs> like I don't like scary old lady witch faces. And on top of the fact that they, like, old faces just... Covered in blood. Yeah, that, that, that sign of mortality alone... Is that usually scares people because you know the fear of death and growing old and that that that's a normal fear that most people have. But the witch weaponizes that fear and turns it against actual toddlers, the the young, sprightly, full of life with so much ahead, and now all they have left is fear and death. And Black Philip is just reveling in it. And so the next morning, um, oh, and at the same time, uh, we cut back to Kate. And we find out that while she thinks and she's crying of happiness that her son is nursing her again. But we just see uh, a little raven just pecking away at her boob. Yeah, just eating her alive. And she just apparently afterwards goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, her bloody gown mm-hmm. showing that yes this did happen again this in the world of this movie this is all this real. is what is happening it's not just hallucinations it's not just oh is it real is it not? no it's real this is this family is being tormented and taken apart mm-hmm. piece by piece primarily because they allow it to happen well william allows it to happen but they are being torn apart piece by piece yes and this is the ultimate proof of that. So now the final piece. Uh, the next morning, William uh, walks outside to the goat herd or goat house, sees that all of the goats have been like... Disemboweled, opened up. Yeah, bitten into, you They know, are ripped asunder, torn apart. The goat house is torn apart too. Yes, like a hurricane blew through there. And all we see is Thomason with... Um, Blood on her hand. Literally, yes. Implying guilt that she was the one that did this. Obviously she isn't, but in his eyes, like, she's the only survivor. She's the only one there. The two female goats have been opened up and their organs are gone. They look flattened. And what else is he supposed to think? Yeah. But before he can act on it, Black Philip. Black Philip mauls him. Oh, he him like keep forgetting like key plot points we need to like no 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 we're, we're discussing the, the the points that just interest us because yes there is the whole wood chopping motif that... no it's not even the motif it's where he finally admits that he did something wrong oh yes yes the night before he also like while while thomason and the twins are locked up he admits his guilt finally say you know it's all his fault it's his pride but too late too little too late like Mold you're to all, death. You're, you've gone over the event horizon at this point. You lost one child. You lost another. You lost your food. You lost so many things before you finally break. At that point, the writing is already on the wall. It's it's done. Yeah. He's done for. And Black Philip does him in person. Oh, yes. 
and crushes him um, under the weight of his wood. Yes. Beautiful imagery. Thomason is like screaming because of course she still loves her father. And then Kate Dickey comes out and pretty much just attacks her daughter. Oh, Kate Dickey is gone. That's that, that is no longer a mother. That is no longer Catherine. That is just a grief-stricken, shell. borderline possessed shell of a woman. And then we get that like uh, music that we heard when uh, Samuel was getting crushed up. Yes. The whole like tap 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 yes. like building up while they're fighting and Thomas on their way. And Thomason ends up killing her mother in self-defense because her mother is attempting to choke her out, blaming her for the death of Everyone. her family. And Thomason's like, "I love you, I love you, I love you," as she's being scorned and blamed and ridiculed. And oh, it is heartbreaking to see this family just cannibalize itself. Mm-hmm. Mother killing daughter. Daughter has to kill mother in in self-defense, as you yeah. said. And oh, it is sad. The blood spilling all over her and Thomason yeah. just gives up. And just goes inside and stays in there for the entire day. And then we get the classic famous scene. Mm-hmm. She she goes out to the to to the barn. She sees, sees Black, Black Phillip, Phillip follows, follows him, him in. in a in an interesting parallel again to Hereditary, where we see the headless body of um Tony Collette going up that to that tree house in just the same way and then we have payment following her. In this case it's the reverse where the human is fo- well, I guess human. The 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 victim is following the demon instead of the no, demon following actually, the victim. I think they actually like full out say that he is Satan. No, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the demon just because I, it, it's just a generic term because, you know, yeah. but whatever. So Black Phillip says, would you like the taste of butter? And would the pretty you dress. Like to live deliciously? Yes, wouldst thou like to live deliciously? And of course, then he turns, he mm. transforms into his... But we don't see his face. No, we never see the face, but we hear boot spurs and we hear... We see the arm, I think. Yes, we do see an arm. We see a lower, lower goateed jaw kind of thing. And yeah. Half goatee. Yeah, yeah. Very funny. Uh, Because, you know, the devil is usually usually portrayed with a goatee and all that other stuff. And in black, of course. And she does the one... And this is where I disagree with Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers, the director of this movie, says that this movie has a happy ending and I disagree with him 100% because I agree with him no I do not and here's why she signs her soul away her last her only choice is to live in this place this witch infested wood alone or to sign her soul away to the devil neither of these things are happy ending prospects her family is dead or and or she goes back to town and gets blamed for it or she becomes she sells her soul to become a witch and we've seen what these witches do we've seen them throughout the movie like they kill people they kill babies they they're very eager and willing to to destroy and kill and take what they want and they have to because they're they're not even really people anymore they're portrayed as these monsters they they like you see the woman Bathsheba who plays the 
titular witch, the old crone-looking witch, when she scares Thomas, when she scares Mercy and Jonas. That's not a human. That's a monster. That that's what Thomasin. That's what she has in store for her in the future. Once once she's no longer young and beautiful and flying around, oh, that is what will. That's what she'll become. I would argue um, the opposite because while it is a very depressing concept to sell your soul to the devil after your family died, we get the sense in the entire movie that this family is not for her. Her parents are totally fine um, leaving or selling her to somebody. We see in her prayer that she, um, at the beginning, she it starts with her praying. Mm-hmm. She prays about how she's broken all of the commandments, including uh, dishonoring her family, her parents. Um, she just doesn't have that family connection that um, she wanted to have with her family. And so even she though she loved the them, devil. yeah, she gets it with the devil. And no, and, that was a joke. She don't. <laughs> there's no family connection with the devil. He has her soul. I know he has her soul, but like I feel like she's joining a community um, that she never really had, and she's kind of free. I don't know, but she looked really I happy at the end. I would describe that as being free. Well, um, I mean, relative to what she's known so far, yes, that would appear on its face to be happiness. What you have to remember the the long term effects. Remember what Bathsheba looked like, the old crone witch, well, and I what mean, she we're all was doing. Like old yeah, we're, yeah, point. yeah. We're all gonna look like old crone, but we're not going to be monsters like giving away their humanity and have been so eroded and decayed that all that is left is animalistic beast that kills and devours children. Literally, that it's it's. I would not call that a happy ending. I don't know. She looked pretty happy to me. Yes, in the again in the moment she looks happy because she's quote unquote free, but really she's just traded one cage for another. It's just th- this particular cage. Th- this the snares won't bind her for a little while longer. That's that's the only difference. And you have to also keep in mind that this movie takes place in 1630. The Salem witch trials happen in 1690. So assuming that she lives that long, she's probably now going to be hunted down as a witch and killed. In the reality of this movie where witches are real, and the Salem witch trials probably killed actual witches. Like, this is now her future. So, in the, there, I don't see this as a happy ending, but I, I, like, I'm glad that we're able to portray both sides of the argument because I think my side is horrifically underrepresented. A lot of people I've heard have made, oh yeah, she's free, she's great, she's happy to do and free to do whatever she wants now and I when you when you sell your soul you're selling your freedom you're selling your essence your humanity I don't consider that to be freedom but like I said I'm glad that we can represent both viewpoints and I thank you all for joining us on this episode our first movie review for the Media Town podcast Maybe. I have been your mayor Josh and and I'm Megan and we shall see you again next time bye bye